This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking, Josh. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm a little self-conscious about the way that I'm saying Premier League now, because I was talking to someone on Twitter earlier today, uh, and he was saying, oh, I'm I'm new to the podcast, I'm enjoying listening, but I have to get used to the way you guys say Premier League. Uh And uh, I was like, I actually did. I didn't even know what he meant at first. (laughs) Is it that we we say premier as opposed to premier? I think so, because I'm thinking of like the announcers who say, uh, you know, welcome to the Barclays Premier League. (laughs) That's a that's a a great impression. I feel like as an American, like a like a circus (laughs) ringleader there. Come on, like, ladies and gentlemen, see all the freaks on display at the Barclays Premier League. <laughs> I feel like as an American, though, I, I can only use an American pronunciation. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like to use – there was an article that came out, a, a, a much reviled article that came out a month or two ago about about uh, American soccer fans. And uh, you know, I, I didn't like most of it, but one thing it did point to was American soccer fans who use – like who who use like use British accents or take on too much British <laughs> slang or whatever. Uh-huh. I'm not even comfortable saying cheers. If I say cheers, <laughs> it's like I I have to like force it out of myself, you know. And even then, it's like cheers with an exclamation point, cheers with a with a period. I, I don't know how to use it. A, a winky emoticon, maybe a, wink, a winky emoticon, perhaps. <laughs> I um, can't even get you to call me mate, Josh. We're good yeah. friends, and you won't yeah. even call me mate. Ladding about with the mates. I, I've never even had a cheeky Nando's. I mean, I'm, I'm completely out of the loop here. I don't know uh, what that is. Although you are going to uh, you're going to Scotland next week. Uh, yeah, I'll put the lingo to the test. Uh, I'll be in Edinburgh next. Uh, well, starting uh, Thursday night, we're, we're flying out of uh, New York City to go to Edinburgh, and then we'll be in some seaside town called Crail in Scotland. Um, And I'm hopefully linking up with a couple listeners of Always Cheating. I've been in touch with our our friends Graham and Colin, and certainly anybody out there listening is in Edinburgh are going to be there, maybe even for the Fringe Fest. Or Crail. Or Crail, yeah. 
I would be so amazed if we had a listener in in Crail, maybe a, maybe a lobsterman uh, who who listens to Always Cheating, maybe somebody who works for the the Crayola company. So we're, we're trying to set up a meeting to watch the Arsenal Liverpool match on Sunday. Uh, so I'll see it with some proper lads, All right. Right, or whatever the. Uh, so here's a, here's a Scottish term I'm trying to get used to: uh, skittles. So what I gather from the internet is Skittles is some sort of like lawn bowling game, but it also is some sort of lifestyle slang in Scotland. Sure, like beer and Skittles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like some sort of like man cave expression. Beer and Skittles came up in one of the Patrick O'Brien books that I'm reading right now. So it is at least a 200-year-old expression. <laughs> it's no longer just tasting the rainbow anymore. I mean, all I know about uh, Skittles is that it comes in a nice little red packet of uh, <laughs> sweet you little candy. Yeah, you open the Skittles, you taste the rainbow. It's it's delicious. <laughs> There's no beer in there. So anyway, uh, that uh, that means I'm actually going to be in Scotland for the first game week, and I'm going to miss next week's always cheating pod. How are you going to manage without me, Josh? We're we're podding on, and uh, we're going to have a special guest host, uh, of which more will be revealed soon. <laughs> That's exciting! Wow, dramatic. I hope he's not too good. <laughs> well, we'll see, Brandon. As I said, right. more will be revealed soon about about right. the guest host slash Brandon's possible replacement. We shall see. Before Josh has the last word, I need to implore all of the always cheating listeners: after you listen to next week's episode without me, send in all your tweets and emails and Facebook messages about how much you miss me, Brandon, <laughs> your favorite always cheater. That's true. There are two cheaters. As long as it's an even distribution, I don't need to be the most beloved cheater. As long as it's as long as it's fifty one percent to forty nine, that's that's good enough for me. Okay. So I guess that does make me the most beloved cheater. So Brandon, let's get on to the episode. This is part two of our team by team preview. We're looking at Man United through West Ham. Uh, last week, uh, as as you may recall, because it took us about ten hours to record, it was uh, harrowing. We looked, at, <laughs> we looked at Arsenal to uh, to Man City. So uh, we have uh, some questions. We're looking uh, team by team, new signings, top players, sleepers, uh, what their fixtures look like to start the season. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback last week, so uh, hopefully we can um, do uh, do it just as well this week. Uh, before we get to that, uh, people were asking on Twitter if we could talk a little bit about how our teams are looking. Um, and I think both of us, we were talking before the podcast started about how even though the season starts in just a few days, thank God, because we've been Podcasting for about we've done about six weeks worth of previews at this point, and I think we're we're very ready for the season to start. It's not a short season, you know. There's a lot to, well, there's a lot we get to talk about still, uh, but it'll be fun to have actual matches to talk about. Um, and my team is really all over the place still. I've, I have one major dilemma that I am that I'm still kind of facing and trying to resolve. But why don't why don't I ask you first, Brandon? What's your what's your team look like? Are there a few people that you know for a rock solid fact are going to be on your team? Uh, maybe yeah. Aguero is a given, but you know, yeah. a- after Aguero, who are you looking at? Yeah, I- I'd say probably safely, comfortably. I'm in the fifth iteration of my team so far, and 50% of these guys are probably going to go at some point. This is a classic uh, Brandon dilemma with my fantasy team. I'm always overspending in my defense. And there are certain guys that I'm just not willing to part with in the defense, like an expensive goalkeeper like De Gea. I'm set on Aspilicueta right now. And I feel like the value I'm overlooking is the value in the defense right now. But, yeah, who is, who is dead set? Right now it's Aguero. Hard to deny two goals in two preseason, preseason games. Not that that means anything, but uh, he's nailed on. Apart from that, 
Um, I thought maybe I was just going to run out with Lukaku at the start of the season, but he's flagged with a minor injury. I a don't heel injury. I think yeah. is that right? It's hard Something to like that. it's hard to tell if that really means anything for game week one, but I do feel like it's a higher power trying to tell me something to tell me like now the time is not right for Lukaku. I remain. I would. I. I, am, I would still be very surprised if he doesn't play the season out for Everton. I, I. I know how much they want to win this year. How, uh, how much they want to do well this year, and how much they're willing to, to spend. You know, if the right players come along, and it just seems like dropping Lukaku would, would just would sink that whole. Yeah, you know, all the momentum they built. Although I guess Coleman's used to it, right? I mean, when he was at Southampton, he was constantly fielding entirely new teams and. Um, yeah. But there's there's no question that that team would be worse without Romney Lukaku. You do think that he he has a second chance. Lukaku has a second chance with a new manager. I feel like Martinez was just not helping him out uh, toward the end, the second half of that season. Though again, Lukaku is a striker that has like Champions League ambitions, and I think he's made that pretty clear. So yeah, yeah who knows? So um, midfield is really where a lot of the questions are. I think everyone's struggling with this. How rich do you want your midfield to be? And that's going to determine the rest of your squad. Because, like, Josh, I know what you're struggling with with your team right now is overinvestment up front. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the same. It's it's the same issue, just flipped, I guess. It's My question is, how rich do I want my, my front line to be? Um, I have a very, very expensive front line right now. Uh, I have, I'm looking at Aguero, Kane, and Ibrahimovic. And then uh, I, I actually have Hazard right now, too. Uh, okay. So, I mean, Aguero, Kane, Ibrahimovic, Hazard, there is almost no more money to go around. <laughs> and I'm basically spending— You can just spend the rest of your budget on caviar at that point. Yeah. And so it's very tricky. You know, and really, I'm, I'm, it's, it's very hard at this point in the season to know where the value is going to be found uh, in those six million defenders. I mean, we, get to, we can talk with confidence all we want about— uh, you know, Jordan Ibe or Nathan Redmond or whomever, but we'd be lying. We don't really know <laughs> who those top players are going to be at uh, because it's typically someone, you know, these the, the George Boyds don't really emerge until the season has, has gone on for a few weeks. I miss that stupid headband of his. I feel confident, Nathan Redmond. I'm inclined to have Jaro Delafeo on my team too. Um, just, I'm treating this like a new season. I'm, I'm letting it go with with Jerry D. Okay, <laughs> but but then you know what do I like? Do I want you know? There's, there's some expensive mid, you know Middlesbrough players and someone like Victor Fisher is sort of interesting. I know we'll be talking about him in a second. Uh, but if I can figure out which expensive forward to drop, whether it's Ibrahimovic or Kane, I'm also really looking very seriously at Jamie Vardy. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm inclined to have a very expensive forward line right now. But I know that if I can just, you know, if I can move Ibrahimovic or Kane, you know, into um, Andre Gray, for example, that five million can be distributed just across the team in these ways that will. You know, it'll, it'll make my the whole of my team substantially better. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind having, you know, about 19, 20 million on my bench. You know, that is, you know, three, 4.5 million players and, Jack, you know, someone like Jakubovic, uh, who I, I now feel like Jakubovic is actually an acceptable player to have. <laughs> he finally, I, you've come full circle. Yeah, so I've got a yeah. Jakubovic right now is is my is my bench keeper. Yeah. Uh, I'm still not sure about my 4.5 starting keeper. Mandanda did start in the last friendly, so I, I feel pretty confident that he's going to be the number one keeper from here on out. But you know whether it's him or Ben Foster or 
maybe spend uh, you know 0.5 million more and bring in someone like Casper uh, Schmeichel. It's it's still still kind of up in the air right now. You need to really diminish the wealth the wealth gap in your team. I think Josh, you got a lot of a lot of uber rich top top one percent. True, it is. It's a very one percenter kind of team right now. And <laughs> I, I don't have, have any, I don't have any Lester coverage either, which makes me a little nervous. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Community Shield match, I think, when you're going to open up the previews with Manchester United. But I had one last quick update on my team per last week's episode where I uh, 100% committed to my team name, Ian's Ice Cream Cake. You know, we'll say it again for everybody. Always Cheating is going all in on the Great <laughs> British Baking Show for this season. That's right. Yeah, our 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 elite head-to-head league, the Always Cheating Showstoppers, and your go your team name is Don't Eat That Mary. <laughs> I had a I had a character count issue with Ian's ice cream cake. So I was that's one character uh, beyond. So twenty one characters. So actually, uh, as as I was considering the character character count issue, Chris uh, on Twitter chimed in to stay to say uh, it was Ian actually didn't throw an ice cream cake into the bin; it was a baked Alaska. So uh, I've gone with the character count issue and the true fact checking. My team name is now Ian's Baked Alaska. I like it. It's a good, solid workmanlike team, much like Ian himself, construction worker. <laughs> He's a builder. He's a builder, and I, I intend to reflect Ian. Okay, so I want to at least get a, a retweet from Ian Waters' uh, Twitter. Maybe even we could have Ian on the pod as a guest. I saw your shameless attempt for an Ian Waters' favorite slash retweet on Twitter. Uh, I was actually, I was a little sad it didn't work. You know, I mean, how often is that guy really getting added? And you know, <laughs> I notice he's not, he's not on, he's not on Twitter very often. So maybe like once, uh, once a week. So maybe he just hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. There's another fantasy podcast where uh, you know Dominic uh, Monahan is sort of their star, uh, the Gaffer Tapes. Uh, Dominic yeah. Monahan is like famously in their league. Well, maybe maybe we can get Ian to join our league, and we'll have a little bit of Great British Bake Off star power. Uh, you know. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah. That would grant us some real, <laughs> some real legitimacy. Brandon, if you're an FPL fan and you're on Twitter, as you know, there are a lot of private leagues out there. Well, guess what? We have one. Too. We have one. Oh my god. <laughs> It is the Hail Cheaters Super League. It's a very super league. It's the League of Leagues. Everyone says this. We, I've it's, heard this from, from everybody. Barack Obama it's the, said that. It's the, it's the superest of leagues. Superest of all leagues. And uh, you can join the league at uh, alwayscheating.com. There's a league tab. It's very easy to join. I actually think you have a little a little drop-down button right on the website. So it only takes uh, one click, and, and you're in, and you're you're in the league, and uh, we actually are going to have Sushant Garg said, "Are there any prizes for winning your league or being in the top ten this time?" Uh, and the answer to that is yes, there is. We are going to do an always cheating trophy this year. We are going to put the trophy in the mail. We're going to send it to you. Uh, it's going to be a real thing. Trophy size and name and uh, how much money we're going to spend in it all to come. <laughs> Uh, but Brandon, you have bought trophies in the past. I know that that, that it can be done. We have we have yeah. we've, we have we have our head to head, our, our our little our, our personal mini league. We've got we got trophies in that, uh, and we're going to do one for the Hail Shooter Super League. Yeah, I have become more more and more fond of the weird trophies, like uh, especially livestock trophies, trophies that have animals on them for your for your local county fair. So maybe we want to consider. What animal we want to represent okay. the always cheating Super League? A pig for Wayne Rune Pig, perhaps, <laughs> or some other some other yeah. animal. I, I, that out. 
Absolutely. Ideas are welcome. Uh, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Hail Cheaters. I guess this means we need one for the Hail Cheaters show, the Showstopper League, too, right? Well, uh, and it has to be a baked good on top of that <laughs> trophy, for sure, I think. What about like a, um, you know, maybe a like a, a hostess, you know, one of those like a, what are those things called? The Maybe we could call it the official Mark Bunn trophy. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's enough nonsense, right, Josh? That's enough. But yeah, we'll, we'll have trophies this year. It'll be it'll be fun, uh, I think. And we'll try to do something for teams two through ten. So let's, Brandon, let's talk about that offline and we'll come up with uh, something fun that we can do for everyone who finishes in the top ten this year. I, we didn't really think it through last year. And I think by the time we got to week 35, we're like, ah, it's too late to come up with anything. So this year we'll have 12 trophies. Uh, certainly pins. We have we have always. We already have those. Those are burning burning <laughs> holes in my pockets. That's right. We actually owe a bunch of people pins because I never got around to sending them out. Let's do that this year, Brandon. <laughs> Great. Bring some okay. with you to Scotland. I will absolutely. Yeah, Colin and Graham and whoever wants to meet up, I've got pins for you. All assuming right. they let me through security with those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, our team previews, starting with the Big Daddy, Manchester United. All right. Okay, we're back, and we're going to do uh, the remaining 10 team previews that we have left from last episode. We're going to start with Manchester United. Josh, we got together on Sunday to watch the Community Shield, Man United versus Leicester City, and it gave us our first real uh, preview of what to expect from Mourinho's team this season. What did you think? Well, it was it was an interesting match, wasn't it? Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan didn't play, which was a little bit surprising, and uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe the the, o- you know, the only role Mkhitaryan played was to pimp slap Juan Mata in the 92nd minute of the game. Yeah, which was just a strange move that didn't really make a ton of sense. Uh, maybe Mourinho had just seen enough from Mkhitaryan already to know what he was getting with him. I don't know. I yeah. thought Eric Eric uh, Bailey looked pretty good. He sure did, another, man. Another new signing. He looked very commanding in that box. So a little raw, but uh, definitely appealing. Yeah, Bailey, Zatan looked... I, I thought he played a better second half than a first half. I thought in the second half he was a little more involved in the game. I thought he was... Uh, he was making some key passes. He wasn't really um, shooting on goal. I mean, I, did he have a shot on goal before he scored? And maybe he had one. But he, I don't um, recall that he did. I mean, he had one backheel pass. He lost possession an awful lot in the first half. He seemed but to be I, making better decisions in the second half. Yeah, I, I thought he was making better decisions as well. And it was it was an interesting match because in the first 75 minutes or so, you're thinking, all right, you know, Zlatan is $11.5 million. Uh, maybe maybe it's not worth having this guy. It's just you know the money can be distributed better elsewhere, and that, and that may still be true. Uh, but when he when he when he scored that goal, it did it did two things. One is it made me think that this is exactly why you have him because he is so unbelievably lethal. Even at thirty four, turning five this year, he'll um, you know when when an opportunity comes along, he's going to seize it. Uh, but the other, perhaps even more important thing, was a lot of people watched that match. A lot of people talked about that match, and his ownership is getting to ridiculous levels. Too, it's <laughs> scary not to have him levels. It's one thing, and in early on in the season, there's you you can't just be on the you, you have to play a little defense too. You know, this is right. you, this early on in the season, you don't necessarily want a bunch of differentials. You want players that are fairly highly owned too, because you know if they if they come off. 
it's just it, it's very tough to catch up. You know, I mean, you, you right. have to bring these guys in, and then there's kind of a rush to bring these guys in, and suddenly, so you know, if Zlatan scores like three goals in his first two matches, he's up to twelve million probably. Right. So well, um, it's it's a good point because last season it wasn't like all of these geniuses had Mares in their team from game week one. I mean, a lot of a lot of managers did have the foresight to pick up Mares before the game before the season started, but. If you had the foresight instead to pick him up in game week two or game week three, you still did just as well as everybody else. So, right. to like you're saying, to play a little defense at first and as those big heavy hitters emerge, then being able to jump on those bandwagons as early as possible. But, you know, it's one thing to bring in Riyad Mahrez, whether, you know, a normal transfer or during a wild card. But it, you you have to wild card in... It's very, it's very likely you're going to have to wildcard in Ibrahimovic because at 11.5 million, it's not like you just drop a player and bring him yeah, in. That's you're going to have to do point. some serious surgery on your team. And the way most of us set up our teams, it's very rare for any of us to have even 0.5 million or 1 million in our bank. So even if you're like, oh, I'll just make a straight cane to Zlatan swap, you're going to need to find that 0.5 million somewhere. And given how fast this price is going to rise, even with that high ownership level, he might be at 11.6, 11.7 million, you know, five days into the season, you know, by the time you're, you're planning your team on Friday. Right. So it's, um, I think it's a little scary not to have him. I don't know if you, if you feel the same way. Uh, I do. I absolutely yeah. do. And we kind of, I feel, I feel like we like shared a moment when he scored that goal. Like, oh God, I guess, I guess everything, both every, yeah, er, everything was going according to plan during that game for us to not have Ibrahimovic in our teams thinking, oh, he, he has not looked good at all. He's had no real shots on target. His ownership will fall and that'll free up 11.5 cash for us. Instead, that, that goal goes in and everything changes in a heartbeat. And that's why you would have to have him in your team. He he could probably look like that the entire season, but still post twenty goals. Two goals, yeah, yeah. yeah I Particularly agree. if that midfield starts humming along. So let's let's get right into these new signings, actually. Okay. Yeah. Want, you know, so we don't repeat ourselves here. Um, so the new signings we have. Um, well, let's get you know Mikatarian. Uh, he joins from uh, from Borussia Dortmund. Nine point five million. 19 goals and 24 assists and 49 appearances last season. Uh, pretty terrific numbers. I'm not sure how replicable those are. I know that they were a, a bit of a jump for him uh, from from previous years. So it's, you know, I think he's capitalizing. on He's he's making a move to a top club. I mean, not the, not the Dortmund on a top club, but he's making a move to, to Man U on the back of, you know, a really fantastic season. And um, it, it gave me pause not having him start in this match. I don't know that... It means he won't start. I think he's he's probably close to a dead certainty to start on Saturday yeah. um, or whenever. When do they, when do they play? Um, I, I, they actually play on Sunday, don't they? They play Bournemouth on Sunday. So I think he, um, you know, he's not he's not one that I'm planning to bring in right now. Um, but I, I'm certainly going to keep an eye on him. You know, the nine point five price point. There's <laughs> there are a lot of options there. And going back to your earlier point about like for like swap in case Mkhitaryan does pop off in game week one, I feel like you're probably going to have somebody in your team that you could just drop for Mkhitaryan. Yeah, exactly. I think you could go, you know, Hazard or Mares to Mkhitaryan pretty easily. I will say this about Mkhitaryan: I was impressed by his bicep size. You don't see <laughs> biceps like that in uh, in uh, professional football teams very often. I, I can't say that I know that much about him as a player. I haven't. I mean, I like I like Dortmund a lot, BVB as as the fans say, but uh, I, I can't say that I have a real 
lying on on Mkhitaryan. Unlike unlike Zlatan, who I've actually seen play in person at the uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> the scouted him front. in person as you like Zlatan. We talked about him before. Uh, Levin, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a thirty uh, four year old Swedish striker who's played uh, pretty much everywhere, everywhere big that you can play. Right, he's played at AC Milan. He's played at Barcelona. He played uh, PSG, which you know certainly uh, the I've biggest club in team. France. Um, and he is priced $11.5 million. He scored 53 goals, had 16 assists in 50 matches for PSG in 2015-16. I don't care what kind of league league on is. I know they won league on by about 65 points or so. I think they won it in game week seven last year. Still, those are spectacular numbers not to be regarded lightly, especially because he's done this at every level. And he's won, I think his record of league title, I think he's won nine or 10 league titles in his career. I mean, almost every team that he plays for, he wins the league. Uh, you know, he was at AC Milan. They won the league several years in a row. He leaves AC Milan for PSG. Suddenly, Juve sort of, um, you know, steps in and, and starts winning the league. So I think that, uh, I think he's a great player and I think teams do. Uh, he's also a set piece taker. He could be taking some free kicks here at 25 yards out. Uh how many how many free kicks do you see Zlatan scoring this season? If you had to predict, three, one, none, two, two. Okay, it's never as many as you think. <laughs> you know, I remember thinking that Dimitri Payet had like twenty seven free kicks last year, and I think <laughs> I think he only scored maybe five. Was it five goals on free kicks last season? Maybe not even that many. Maybe it, it, was, it was it was it was more that he scored two in a row in in uh, consecutive games, and everyone right. thought, well, yeah. that's basically a penalty kick for him. So the other player uh, who we've been dancing around is Paul Pogba. He uh, joined, I, I suppose he joined. I mean, they still haven't even officially announced it yet, but he is, you know, he passed his medical apparently. And so he's there joined. was this very, very garish uh, photo of him arriving for his medical on BBC.com. And they framed it perfectly, the Chevy Mustang or whatever car it was. Mm-hmm. It was clear that Chevy said, all right, this is a great marketing opportunity to for us right. as the kid sponsor. Let's get the car in the photograph. <laughs> Shameless. And, you know, it's funny because he actually comes from Yufe, which are sponsored by Jeep. So it's like an interesting oh. transition there from <laughs> Jeep to Chevy. Still an American, American automobile. <laughs> That's right. So he scored uh, nine goals, 15 assists, and 45 appearances for Yufe last year. Not a huge goal scorer. I mean, you know, for all of the acclaim that he's being greeted with, I think that you know, and I'm sure most fantasy managers know this, but he's not—he's not a striker. He's not even really an attacking midfielder. He's a central midfielder. He's somebody who's setting up the play. He's also capable of scoring and assisting. Obviously, 15 assists last season, but he's—you uh, know—he's the link-up guy. He's the guy who's going. He's—you know—he's in the engine room. He's going to make everything work for Man United. And so it's actually really hard to even evaluate Man United on the heels of that of the Community Shield because. His influence is going to be so strong on that team that it's really hard to say how they all how all the pieces fit together. Um, you know, you wonder if someone like Anthony Martial is maybe is more served by by having Pogba in that squad. Uh, Martial looked pretty, you know, I don't know, isolated out there in the wing in that match. Yeah. And he was not a player. I know you had talked about being excited about him at the start of the season. Or just, you very know, much, when, very much so. Yeah, classed as a midfielder, and if he got forward like he did, uh, I know it wasn't like an out-and-out striker last season, but getting forward like he did, classified as a midfielder at 9.5, I could I could see it being a great buy. But but yeah, yeah it's right. He was, there was nothing really to recommend him watching the Community Shield. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so we have Zlatan, Mkhitaryan, Pogba, who uh, his price is still to be determined as of this. It'll probably go up 
once this podcast goes up, the price price will also probably get posted. My guess is that he's going to be at eight point five. Yeah. Uh, I would I would believe upwards of nine point five. I think any higher than nine point five is is too high. Um, at eight point five, I actually think he's an interesting buy. Okay, he might be he might be someone actually worth. It's just uh, you know it's hard to know how all those pieces are going to fit at Man U. I mean, where does Wayne Rooney fit into that team now? With 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 I mean, you probably have to play as Pogba and Zlatan all the time, I, right? Yeah, I don't even know. Though, even like at Zlatan's age, Rooney has got to be a rotation risk, and you feel like he's not going to see. He's he's not going to be playing every week in that midfield. What did you think about him in the in the community shield? He didn't look poor. Uh, it was, I mean, compared to the rest of the team, it was just they all looked like they were in friendly mode. So it was really difficult to judge. I he didn't look poor, but he didn't look great. So mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be spending money on him as an FPL manager for sure. I, I wouldn't either. I've heard some people talk about him as a possible option, but I I, I think you have to wait until he. Hit some run of form or something. I, I don't think I'd start the season with Ren Rooney. So, Mike, my, my, I'm really excited to see, and I think I know the answer to this, but when the first penalty happens where both Zlatan and Rooney are on the pitch at the same time, I assume Rooney gets to take it, but there will come a point at which Zlatan takes it when Rooney's not playing and then the baton is passed. Poss- that's a very interesting question, and uh, I don't know the answer to that right now. Like maybe, I mean, it's, maybe it's Ander Herrera who gets that baton. Has Zlatan ever I not guess. been on penalties at his team? Oh, I bet. I bet when he was at Barcelona, he wasn't on penalties. I bet. I bet Messi was on penalties there. Yeah, that's that's probably true. So, what about the defense here? Uh, Possibly. We, we, we talked about spine in a previous preview pod, and we all felt we all felt you have to have a Man United defender or goalkeeper. Yeah, I think I think you do. And right now I'm debating between uh, – there are three defenders. I don't like spending as much uh, – David De Gea I think is a great option at, at goalkeeper. It's actually at $5.5 million, which is not a terrible price. 15 clean sheets, eight bonus points last season. As, as, as close to a set-it and forget-it uh, goalkeepers are going to find in the league – I would be comfortable playing David De Gea all 38 weeks of the season. I don't know that he's even any kind of rotation risk. I think that he'll be playing all the fixtures and all the Champions Leagues. He's, you know, he's in his early 20s, and there's, you know, he's not going to need the rest. You know, it's not a Peter Check situation. Uh, so if you don't go with him, I think that uh, you know, it's, it's not, it comes down to two um, two wing backs, uh, either Luke Shaw or um, or Antonio Valencia. I think that Luke Shaw is sort of the favorite option. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's most most likely to start week in and week out. Valencia, I think, is really interesting because he's played so well in the preseason. He actually looked really good in the match yesterday as well. He did. Uh, like Patrice Evra. If they weren't the same price, if Antonio Valencia was priced at $5 million, I think I'd be advocating more strongly for him. I think because Shaw and Valencia are the same price, you probably want to go Shaw. Again, this early in the season, just go with the player that you think is going to be best. You know, if if we're you know in week twenty seven, yeah, maybe you want Valencia as the differential option, and he's going to get you an assist or or you know or whatever. But I think at this point in the season, um, I would be going with Shaw, the most likely to play week in and week out. And um, I thought he looked okay in the match yesterday. I, I wasn't blown away. Um, yeah. I don't think he did anything that was particularly astounding, but uh, he wasn't poor either. He probably, poor guy, just didn't want to break his leg again and miss another league game. <laughs> Maybe so. I was just like, nobody touch me. 
<laughs> All right, so to start the season, looking at their fixtures. Uh, I think they have four very good fixtures and two pretty bad fixtures. Uh, but the two bad fixtures are at home, so I, that does soften the blow a little bit there. Okay, so the good fixtures, they're all away, but it's away to Bournemouth, away to Hull, and away to Watford. Uh, those are all fixtures that I would expect a Jose Mourinho team to to dominate in, even even away from home. Now, you know it's a bit of a concern. I, I actually don't. I wouldn't advocate having two attacking players for Man United right now. I think you've got to pick one and stick with it. I, really, honestly, Zlatan or nobody uh, was what I would say mm-hmm. because um, it's just hard to tell how everything else is going to fit. If Pogba comes in at eight million, like some crazy low price, then then Pogba I think is an interesting option. But if he I don't think he's going to come in that low. I'd be very surprised if he came in that low. Because, you know, Mourinho sets up pretty defensively away from home. I don't think he'd do that in game week one. Um, I don't think he would have to do that in game week three, which is a way to haul. Um, game week five is a way to Watford. Watford's pretty tight defense. That might be, you know, a one nothing game or a you know 1-1 right. draw or something like that. Yeah. Uh Home to Southampton, home to Man City, home to Leicester. Those are that's, that's game weeks two, four, and six. So, it's your classic mixed bag of, of fixtures. I'd say it leans towards being pretty good. Yeah, for me, the big question mark is their central defense. Chris Smalling, he's banned for the first. He's on a suspension for the first game week. But uh, I can't see Daly Blind staying in central defense for United for the whole season. So I do wonder if it's going to be Smalling and Bailey back there in the middle. It could be. I just I would be reluctant to bring in Bailey at five point five, not knowing if he's going to start after the yeah, yeah. first it, it, it is a wait and see. Yeah. Huh. A lot a lot to think about with United. It's, <laughs> yeah, there is a lot to think about. And I think it's uh you know, a lot of I think a lot of mini leagues are gonna be won and lost depending on how you manage United this year. Uh-huh. It's Zlatan, Pogba, Mikatarian, who we you know have barely really touched on, but you know, could be a very important person once the season starts. Uh, you know, figuring out what to do with their defenders—it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a team worth really thinking about and paying a lot of attention to over the next few weeks. And and again, I stress there are so many Man United fans out there that if one of their players does well, their ownership skyrockets, and it can really damage you if you don't have those players because their ownership levels get so high. It's a, a bit like Arsenal, actually. All right, cool. Let's let's move on to the next team now, Josh. Excellent. That team, this is the one you researched, Brandon, so I'm excited for your book report on Middlesbrough. (laughs) Middlesbrough, yeah. The first thing I can tell you about Middlesbrough is they finished second place in the championship last season. Automatic promotion, equal on points with Brighton. That's a matter of fact. So I think of all of the promoted teams, Middlesbrough has that feeling of they're the ones most set up uh, to compete in the premiership. So Hull is just a disaster uh, by all accounts. Burnley uh, finished top of the championship last season, but there are some doubts as to the number of signings they've made. But Middlesbrough, they've, they've got some quality Premier League experienced players, and they've also gone out and they've signed big-ish in the offseason. So all right, let's, that, let's hear more about the ish. Okay, so it depends on your perspective on Alvaro Negredo. When he played for Man City, people had higher expectations of him. He ended up rotating rotating a little bit with Aguero, and Aguero had an injury. He only uh, got nine goals for Man Man City in thirty two appearances. Was that and good that was, enough? Was no. that no? No, it was, <laughs> I was answering it, your question. It was not good enough. <laughs> So he he then finds himself at Valencia, where he didn't do uh, better at all. He's he's just got 10 goals and 52 uh, appearances for Valencia. But now here he he finds himself back in Middlesbrough. Now, he's 
competitively priced for FPL managers at 6.5. So there is that temptation of, here is a continental striker. I've seen him play in the Premier League before. He fits in. He fits in easily into uh, a lineup, particularly when you're trying to play heavy hitters like both Aguero or Ibrahimovic. If you sh- you can fill that 6.5 spot with a guy like Negredo, but uh, it, he's hardly convinced in the, the recent years. A guy I'm more interested in is Gaston Ramirez. So I remember when he played on Southampton when they first came up from uh, the championship. He was part of their real quality attacking midfield, playing with uh, like Jay Rodriguez and Adam Lalana, yep. and he looked fantastic. And then he just had some horrifying injury. I don't remember if it was his ankle or his leg or, or some such, and it I thought knocked it was him like out a knee, for some a knee time. injury. Yeah. So he ended up going off to Hull, and then he found himself at Middlesbrough. Came in the winter transfer window and uh, earlier this year, he ended up scoring seven goals for Middle, Middlesbrough in 2016. So he looks good for that uh, midfield. 5.5, uh, a very decent price for an attacking midfielder. Do you know if he's and been that, playing? Yeah, I, I actually, you know, it's funny because I hadn't really thought about Ramirez as an option uh, in the midfield. It's, I mean, seven goals after the, after the transfer window is uh, closed in January. is actually pretty pretty solid. Uh, it is solid. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not easy for somebody to just slot into a midfield that's been hammering it out in the championship for a full half season. Do you happen to know if he's played at all in any of these preseason fixtures? Or I don't think he's been in the goals, but I'm, I'm just he, curious he has, if he's he has not been in the goals. But uh, he has he definitely played against Sociedad in their last okay. preseason match, so he is fit to play. Okay, um, and and I would be shocked if he didn't start in their their opening fixture. I think that's a really interesting five point five million midfield option that I haven't really heard anybody talk about. I mean, I've heard about it a little bit, but. Um, I haven't, you know, it's not, it's not, he hasn't been like touted very much. Uh, yeah, well, he, he's a little overshadowed by Victor Fisher, who is right. an Ajax signing, and he's also 5.5 in the midfield, and his ownership is three times Ramirez's at this point at a whopping 1.7%. But, <laughs> but Fisher is a guy who has got on the score sheet in the preseason. He scored against Villa in their 3 1 victory over Villa. I mean, not, not that it takes a great athlete to score against Aston Villa these days. Eh, still, still. But you look at his Wikipedia pl- page and it sounds like he he like saw his whole career through at Ajax. Like his he he got a starting berth in the squad. He plays plays out on the wing and he then fell out of rotation uh, at the end of last season and and put in his transfer request to get out of there. Isn't it interesting the Fisher thing? I mean that that ownership. I mean I, I know it's only one point seven percent, but I was actually on the Middlesbrough uh, site yesterday, and I, I don't know much about Borough. I mean I didn't I didn't really watch them play in the championship last year. I know about Stuart Downing. That's like the one guy I know about. And apparently it's like a straight race between Downing and Fisher for the uh, for the wing spot. Uh, okay. Apparently, so they say. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's funny how you see a player and you're like, well, he has the most, he has the highest ownership percentage in that midfield and the kind of price that I'm looking for. Um, let me go read more about him. And it's like you sort of retroactively, retroactively justify why they're the player that you want on that team. You right. know, because I read the same thing and I was like, oh, like lost his spot at Ajax. And it's like, well, maybe it was a man like they had a conflict with his manager. You know, it doesn't mean he's a bad player, but, you know, it's like, it is like, it does give you pause a little bit, you know? You never know that, and that's kind of why I draw our attention to Gaston Ramirez. If if yeah. this if this Middlesbrough attack takes off, Ramirez could be the differential. 
if you're looking to bring a, a Middlesbrough player in. But uh, let's look at their defense now. I think the most the most intriguing thing in the Middlesbrough defense right now is goalkeepers. So they brought in two two big goalkeepers during the summer, Victor Valdez and Brad Guzan. I guess I say big in air quotes when I talk about Brad Guzan. Uh, even though he's he's an American goalkeeper, and as Americans, we're very delighted to see that we're still keeping a presence in the Premier League. Huh? But Guzan at Villa last season, uh, the way he performed, outside of the way that whole team performed, you have to expect that Victor Valdez gets the start. So uh, I think his ownership at 8.4% uh, shows that the group think does favor Valdez uh, in the starting berth. This team reminds me a little bit of Watford last season. You know, a lot of new signings, kind of not like the team that they came up with. Uh, doesn't actually matter, I don't think. I mean, we you saw with Watford last year, they basically replaced the whole team once they got promoted, and they were pretty safely up all season. Now, you know, they were able to ride Dini and Agallo, basically, you know, basically all the way over forty points. And I'm not sure if I see those points here. I mean, Negredo in particular is someone who uh, I'm very wary of because he's sort of like he's. He's the kind of guy they make fun of in Moneyball. You know, he's the kind of like he looks like he should be a great striker. He just he's got the he's got the he's fast, he's got the body for it. He just he looks cool. Like he just yeah. looks like an awesome striker. And the results are just never there. You know, it's yeah. just not there. And uh I I am very wary of Negredo and I'm actually kind of glad that he scored some goals in preseason because I think that some people are going to get seduced into right. bringing him in. Uh, but I am not. I'm not buying it at all. He's sort of. Uh, yeah. He's, he's in that uh, Andros Townsend category where I'm like, you guys take him. I think we'll know sooner rather than later with Middlesbrough as well because they have pretty kind fixtures to start. They have a home opener with Stoke, and then it's Sunderland and West Brom. Then they host Crystal Palace. Things start to get tougher here with uh, Everton, Spurs, and West Ham. Yeah, but, I think this but, is a. This seems like a wait and see team to me, right? Mm-hmm. No one, yeah. maybe maybe bring in one player. I wouldn't load my team up with with Middlesbrough players sure. to start the season. Sure, yeah. All right, so let's let's quickly move on to uh, Southampton, who is always uh, an entirely new squad when you start a new Premier League season. So they coming off of their sixth place finish, they're in the Europa League this season. What are you thinking about Southampton right now, Josh? It's an interesting team. I think a lot of people are going to have a Southampton player on their team to start the season. Uh, they have a new manager, uh, Claude Puel. Is that how you say it? I don't Fair know. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take it. Favors the diamond formation, uh, which typically has uh, you know two strikers in front of the diamond. So I think that um, the question is, who are those two strikers going to be at the top of the diamond? Are they going to be... Uh, you know, is it going? Is it going to be Shane Long and Nathan Redman? Is it going to be Shane Long and uh, Charlie, Charlie Austin? Austin? Yeah, is is it going to be someone who's not Shane Long? We have to wait and see. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of their players are. It's a very reasonably priced team. I mean, all of the players that you'd want in this team are seven point five million or less. Uh, seeing a lot of talk right now for Dusan Tadic. Uh, whose numbers actually, given that he felt to me at the end of the season like a huge disappointment, I'm actually surprised that his numbers were so strong. I know he was a lot better in the second half. Um, he's priced at $7.5 million. He had eight goals, 13 assists, and 13 bonus points last season. Problem with him uh, under under Komen was that he was not a consistent starter. He would right. uh, start two or three matches in a row, and then he wouldn't even make it into a match, and then he'd come on at the 70th minute of a match. And, you know, and I don't know if that was uh, if it was if a fitness he started, thing. He, or, he wouldn't play the full 90 either if he started. 
It was very Gerard Delafeo y. You know, he was someone that they brought on to, to kind of run and run and run, and then they and then you, you know, pull him out or you bring him in at the 70th minute to, to be kind of a, a change of pace or something like that for the team. So I. It's, hard it's to probably say. because I don't want to Santarich in my team, but looking at 7.5, I think, well, I'd consider him if he was anything cheaper than 7.5. I feel like Dusan Tadic has popped up in like every team that I've seen online in the last uh, week or so. It's, it's amazing how th- these things start to rotate. You uh-huh. know, it's like even someone like Victor Valdez, who a lot of people were talking about a couple weeks ago, I haven't seen him in anybody's team in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, Tadic is one that I am still a little wary of. And maybe I shouldn't be because, um, you know, it, it's very possible that he is going to uh, find a consistent home uh, under Puel. He's an interesting manager. He's managed at several different clubs, all in France, and he actually won uh, Ligue 1 in, uh, in Monaco in 2000. So, uh, you know, pretty good track record. Uh, reason to believe that he'll find the right rotation. He's no novice manager. So they have a few new signings, uh, two of whom I'm very excited about. Two of them are actually in my team right now, uh, although I don't all have two Southampton midfielders. Uh, one is uh, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, who is a uh, 21-year-old midfielder joining from Bayern Munich. And a lot of people are excited about his long-term potential. Not clear where he's going to slot into the diamond. It could be more of a defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. But it's $4.5 million, uh, likely to start uh, – Many fixtures. I don't know. If I, I don't want to say all fixtures. Not at his age, but many fixtures. Uh, good price and can score some goals. Has already scored in the preseason. Um, so he's he's like your set it and forget it fifth midfield or four point five million. The player who is really intriguing is Nathan Redmond, who has been playing as one of the two strikers at the top of the diamond, um, and is priced at six million. Classified as a midfielder. Uh, but plays very far forward, certainly did when he was at Norwich. Uh, was on a scoring tear to start the season with Norwich last season. And he's very young. You know, he's actually, um, he's, you know, he's played for the England, you know, under 18, under 21 teams. Somebody definitely worth um, paying attention to and probably going to be in my team at the start of the season. I say there's probably a better than 75% chance he actually makes my my final team. So, How much does he cost again, Nathan Redman? Six million. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like he's a bit of a, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, he's, he's a template guy right now. Like I feel like a lot of people are, are looking at Redmond right now, rightly so, as you, as you say. Right, six, million, six goals, four assists, eight bonus points last season, so decent numbers. But, that, but, on a, that, but on a very poor Norwich team. That Norwich team was such garbage. I feel like you can't really judge his performance last season because if, of... Because they had uh, Mopakani. And the, <laughs> if they had unleashed Mopakani from the time he joined that team, I think Rebin would have had, conservatively, 75 goals and 300 assists. Now, that's just me. I could be wrong. That, that is the most conservative thing you have said on this podcast. That <laughs> uh, was Trump-level conservatism for me right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so Shane Long, actually, he scored yesterday in Southampton's friendly. But you're you're and, and he he did a lot of people some favors at the end of last season. You're not sold on Shane Long. He's in my as you can see from my notes here, Brandon, he's in my jury's out category. Six. Uh, we need a sound effect there to be like <laughs> jury's out. Bow. Six point five million. Ten Banging goals. A gavel, maybe. Ten goals, which is actually more goals than I than I thought he had scored last season. He he kind of beat out uh, the one of the most expensive players in the world in Graziano Pelle for <laughs> uh, for the starting striker role at the end of last. season. We'll have season. to find a trophy for Shane Long for that victory. That's that that is trophy worthy. It is possible that I am wrong on Shane Long. I I, I 
he could be better than I think he is. It's hard for me not to 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 blame him for not being very good for a long, long time. He is I'm always a, biased against people who have been in the league for years and years and years who have never been awesome. Yeah, it's he's hard a little bit of a, jur- a journeyman, right? Like he's just been yeah. on a, on too many clubs uh, with middling success. Yeah, we're going to get to him later on, but I feel the same way about Andy Carroll. It's just hard to get excited about these guys who have yeah, right. shown time and time again that they are not valuable fantasy assets. What about our, our main man, Virgil van Dyke, everyone's favorite ponytail wielding uh, uh, goal scoring center back from last season. Yeah, they're, you know, it's, it's the Southampton defense. It's, it's always a, a, a place where you can make a, a pretty good buy and feel pretty good about what you're getting in return. Uh, Virgil van Dyke is priced at 5.5 million, a bit high, a bit hard to bring him in at the start of the season. I think, uh, Jose Font also five point five million. Take your pick; they're both excellent players. Cedric gives you a little bit of a discount at five million. Question is, does he play week in and week out? He didn't last season, and so uh, it was the source of a lot of frustration for managers because um, infamously subbed at the fifty nine minute fifty nine <laughs> second mark uh, last season. I don't know that I. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be okay bringing in Cedric. Uh, I, pre- I, I, pre- I predict good things for Cedric this season. There will come a time this season when I, I imagine all of us will have a Southampton defender. They tend to go on these incredible runs every year where they right. you know, have four clean sheets in a row or, or you know six and seven or whatever. Uh, Fraser Forrester is an excellent goalkeeper. He certainly couldn't go wrong with, with him either. So I, I like this team. I think they'll be fine. I think that they'll be um, a mid-table squad and... The jury is obviously out on Charlie Austin too. You know, I think that he, he's six point right. five million, scored an awesome goal in his first match for the team, and then didn't do anything after that. So, so they're away. They're knows. away to Man United and Arsenal in the first four fixtures. Beyond that, they they have some pretty good fixtures lined up: Watford, Sunderland, Swansea. They do. Um, just because I'm not looking at them for the striker role doesn't mean that I'm not excited about having uh, Nathan Redman in particular. So. All right, yeah, yeah, we got it. Nathan Redmond's in your team. <laughs> I will, I will uh, manage my team accordingly. Shall we move on, Brandon? Yeah, let's move on. Okay, what better place to move than, than Stoke City, Josh? That last year, they finished in the top 10 ninth position. And I was telling you while we were watching the Community Shield, this might be my season to back Stoke City. But for whatever reason, I the the team has always intrigued me less less so than repelled me. Wait, no, that didn't make sense. It's intrigued me more than it's repelled me. <laughs> this this shows how confused I am about Stoke City. <laughs> it's a very interesting project, Stoke City. They're sort of taking all of these players who have played for top clubs and and kind of washed up on shore at Stoke. And I say unsure very figuratively because I think Stoke is like right in the Midlands. Uh, you have Arnatovich, you have Shakiri, you have Bojan, uh, Joe Allen, obviously. Uh, some of the greatest players that ever played this game, Brandon, in terms of <laughs> sheer talent. Doesn't get any more than Joe Allen, obviously, the, the Welsh Javi. Huge, and, already already 2% ownership in the game of five, 5.0 mid. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I expect Joe Allen will be playing a pretty deep-lying uh, role on the Stoke City team. But uh, I, I'm very curious to see how Shakiri gets, gets on in his second season in the Premiership. Last season, everyone was, I mean, they were first blown away by how cheaply he was priced when he came in from Bayern Munich. And he kind of performed to his price tag 
last season. He had three goals and six assists. He, he, he didn't start regularly. He had a few niggling injuries. He just didn't come off for him. It was a weird situation. I mean, he didn't want to go there at all, and then he kind of had no choice but to go there. And I wonder if he just couldn't bring himself to try the first 15 weeks that he was there. So I thought he was a little better in the second half. Uh, played very well in Europe this summer. Uh, had that great bicycle kick goal for Switzerland. Very talented. Play. He's a he's a player that I want to root for, especially as a short guy. I love I love short, stocky guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at soccer, so I I'm, I like this project too. I just like it because it's different. It's just mm-hmm. unique, you know. It's sort of um, it it you know. I mean, we live in New York, and the New York Knicks is a team that is constantly trying to do great things with a bunch of washed up players who are past their prime. <laughs> and it's always a kind of a fun project because you know all their names. They're all kind of yeah. famous. And so we're seeing that with Stoke right now. You know, it's a bunch of guys who um, used to be better and maybe uh, it'll all click. This is this one <laughs> season and they can ride, you know, ride it to the, to, I mean, they finished ninth place last year. It was, it was a quiet ninth place, but they, they did finish ninth place and, you can't. I mean, there are a lot of teams that would have would have happily traded spots with them. I mean, yeah, you know, I thought, a team like Sunderland would have happily, you know, embraced the kind of project they embraced last team. I, I just, you know, it's like Sunderland's fans. That is. I think what helped them last season too was they had a great defensive run for a while there, and everyone's favorite fantasy goalkeeper, but Jack Butland, uh, and he was amazing because he was at four point five last season, and I felt like that put him a cut above. And now Butland coming in at 5.0, I guess you wouldn't expect him to be anything cheaper than 5.0 after his performance last season. I don't know. Somehow he's suddenly too rich for my blood. I agree. The opening fixtures are not that solid. They play uh, Man City, Everton, Tottenham, and Man U in the first what six or seven matches it's not a great start and yeah and they open they open away to middlesbrough and i mean we just got done talking about middlesbrough but that's going to be their first game back in the premier league they've got a lot of attacking potency i would i would be shocked if middlesbrough didn't score against stoke i I agree i think that um the question is you know are there are there some cheap midfielders that are defenders that you can bring in from stoke at some point i think there probably are i think that and, and you know, for whatever reason, it seems like there's there's always a lot of injuries in the Stoke backline. Yeah. So it's it's not totally clear who who you want on that Stoke backline. Um, I mean, is it you know they're all reasonably priced though. I mean, outside of outside of Butland, you've got you know Peters, Walshide, Cameron. They're all four point five million. One of those players is going to emerge as a real go to player. I, yeah. I I guarantee Brandon in the. The week three and week four wild cards, a lot of people are going to be bringing in one of these Stoke defenders. <laughs> and I guarantee you, who are they going to be getting rid of? They're going to be getting rid of Bojan because <laughs> Bojan's ownership is probably going to be astronomical to start the season because at 6.0, um, you can fit him in much easier between Aguero and Ibrahimovic as opposed to a 6.5. So I feel like people scrapping for 0.5 million, Bojan's going to. He's going to fit that bill. I, I guess I shouldn't say the defenders are all uh, four point five. Um, you have you have uh, Glenn Johnson and um, and Shawcross at five million. Ch- Ryan Shawcross has been five million for thirty seven seasons in a row. <laughs> <laughs> His price will always be when he retires. He'll still be available for five five million in the Premier League. I feel like this is a team that you want to you can forget about for the first six seven weeks. <laughs> 
revisit them come week six, seven, eight. They're home to Sunderland in week eight. Maybe that's when you want to start bringing some of their players in. We'll know more about who the scorers are at that point. I mean, you know, Arnatovich is such a frustrating player. I mean, 7.5 is a bit high, a bit rich, in my opinion, yeah, for right, Arnatovich, right, right. given well, how totally mercurial he is. So you just mentioned Sunderland, Josh, and they're next up to bat. Uh, last year, just just managed to uh, managed a great escape under Sam Allardyce, seventeenth place. I'm excited they- to talk about their new signings, Brandon, because there <laughs> there are there are no new signings to speak of. I don't know what's going on. It's I mean I guess they're waiting for the new manager to come in. Uh, that manager is David Moyes, who. It's kind of hard to rate him at this point, right? When I first got into the Premier League, you know, several years ago, first becoming a fan, uh, Moyes was the 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 rock solid, very you know, like almost very like somewhere between pretty good and very good manager for Everton. Right? Yeah, he he was like just he was beyond a caretaker manager because he was consistently getting Everton in the top 10 and there was always a certain whiff or odor of promise about that team he'd get you to an FA Cup semi you know yeah, he was right. he'd do a few things he'd get you to the finals of a of a Carling Cup or something but it so just he's, never he's just trying to get Fellaini on the phone at this point that's that's the yeah suspicion. exactly we all we all know the Moyes story so Moyes is there it actually seems like he's kind of found his level this seems, it seems like a pretty good spot for him I actually expect Sunderland to be fine this year uh, they probably have the talent to stay up, even without any any new signings. Uh, they have okay, so we don't have any signings to talk about. We can talk about Van Anhalt. We can talk about Defoe. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny <laughs> under uh, in your notes, Josh. Under new signings, you have nada as in none. <laughs> but I was like, ooh, nada. Uh, it sounds like a, a great young Portuguese winger that we could talk about. Uh, not so much. Van Anhalt is uh, so okay. Van Anhalt as a player is he's actually priced a pretty like a, he's priced to sell at five million, given his six goals and four assists last season, uh, picked up six clean sheets, which is actually pretty low for a defender who plays every game week. Mm-hmm. But fixtures are not great to start for Sunderland. They're they're away to Man City to start the season, uh, way to Southampton in game week three, home to Everton in game week four, way to Spurs in game week five. I would not want a defender for any of those fixtures. Um, you know, they're, they're home to Middlesbrough and home to Crystal Palace, but, you know, unless, I don't know, you know, I mean, I guess I, I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't want a 5 million defender for someone I only want to play two out of six fixtures. And other than that, you've got the bad Kone, who's, you know, sort of, sort of tempting. Uh, he's a uh, 4.5 million. As, as opposed to the good Kone who plays at Everton. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't good, like, uh, in terms of their quality. I actually think the bad Kone is a better player than the good Kone, oh. but I think the good Kone is a better person than the bad Kone. <laughs> like it, like if this were a uh, a hero, supervillain sort of competition, Yeah, uh, exactly. Sunderland's Kone would be the supervillain. He's the bad Kone, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, he came out in the second half last season, $4.5 million, uh, two goals and one assist, five clean sheets. Had a huge goal, if you remember, in a, yes, in a double I, game week at the end of last year. I remember it quite vividly. Two players to keep an eye on. I don't think we have to spend too long on Sunderland because it's just it's just not very exciting. They don't have a very a very good start of the season. Uh, one is uh, Jordan Pickford, who is available at four million. He's a prom- he's a kind of a Jack Butlin type, uh, you know, promising young goalkeeper for the future. For the time being, it looks like Minone is going to win the spot over Jordan Pickford. A lot of people are excited about Pickford actually, you know, coming out at some point this season. Um, but for now, I, I wouldn't bring him in just because you know you could bring in Jakubovic on Hall, who's a four yeah. million you know keeper who's actually going to start. 
So, um, but keep an eye on Pickford and the other Manone players. Manone played great for them last at the end of last season too. He will be rewarded. I, I would think so, but you know, I mean. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's not like there aren't going to be a lot of goals scored in this Sunderland team. So there's probably, <laughs> probably enough, be an opportunity there. Uh, Duncan Watmore is the other player to look to keep an eye out for. He is a um, he's five million midfielder. Looked very good at times last season for um, for Sunderland, and uh, you know only three goals and one assist, but but he looked he looked dangerous. And he's a super positive player. He's always pushing that ball forward, going to goal. He seems like he has confidence, and he has a college degree, which I like. Fun fact go. about Duncan Watmore. Way to go, Duncan. <laughs> well, like, well done, Duncan. So Duncan at $5 million, I think that if, if I wanted a slightly uh, like – if, if I wanted a fifth midfielder with a little more scoring prowess, I think that Duncan Watmore – I'm like I'm so resigned to having a $4.5 million fifth midfielder who I just basically never play. But if I yeah. wanted someone with a little more money, then I think that Duncan Watmore is one that I would look at. 15 goals uh, last season, but Defoe at $7 million, that's ridiculous. That's ludicrous. Nobody's going to pick up Defoe. I'm surprised he's not in that $6.5 range like all the other ones. Yeah. Know? Yeah. He, he, Six, yeah. Like the, the league has established that 6.5 is what if – you're, if you're a pretty good scorer on a, on a mediocre team, you are a $6.5 million player. I don't know Josh, why he's, I, I will have a conversation with you about Defoe, Defoe if he's pressed at 6.5. At 7.0, I'm not talking to you about him. I agree. And you know what, Brandon? I like Sunderland. I like their fans. I like their stadium. I hope they stay up this year. I don't have anything more I want to say about them right now. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on to Swansea City then. Twelfth, twelfth, twelfth place last season. Uh, for a while there, it looked like they were going to be at a relegation scrape, but uh, Francisco Guidaline pulled them out of that that tailspin. Uh, from but from what I understand from the tabloids, there's some some dissension among the ranks and. People aren't aren't uh, don't have many good things to say about Guidolina right now. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but this is this is news to me. I I am wondering how unsettled this Swansea team is. You know, based on all the Ashley Williams transfer rumors, and uh, you know Andre Ayew uh, off to West Ham. So there there are a lot of question marks. But there's there's the big positive here. They just signed Fernando Lorente from Sevilla, so he's. He's again. This is like the podcast of six point five strikers, um, but he he is a great a, of great pedigree. He's a World Cup winner for Spain. That's right. He's sort of a sort of a lion in winter, isn't he? He's uh, famous for his great mane, but also for the fact that he's a bit of an aged striker. Yeah, I mean, aged at, at thirty one years old, but uh, his output at Sevilla uh, was not. Um, Incredible, four, just four goals. But if you go back to his stint at Juventus, he put twenty-three goals in for them, and I think that's where he really made his his but name. That was that was two thousand two, two thousand three, Brandon. That was thirteen years ago. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then Leroy Fur, he makes his deal permanent from Queens Park Rangers. He's still there in the midfield at five point zero. But uh, I, I feel like Leroy Fur is the bad Redmond. If if we're talking about good versus bad, let's do it. I, maybe we should we should have more of these good bads. Over the, <laughs> I'll throw the lead. All right. So from now on, Leroy Fur is the bad Redmond. Yeah, I mean Lorento's Lorente's stock goes up because he's he really has no competition uh, for goals up front. It's going to be him and Gilfie Sigurdsson. I mean, of course, maybe <laughs> maybe Key Key might be in Did the you say goals. Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson, he's like he's like the Amer- That's the American. The if Gilfie if Gilfie Sigurdsson were born in Texas, he'd be Sigurdsson. That's right. Like if they like, it's like the American Office or something. All the all the names have been anglicized. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, and we have to we have to close the chapter on a great always cheating legend, uh, the game eater, uh, the the Euro Cup winner, the game eater. He's off to Lille. So we, we do wish him well, as well as Buffetimbi Gomes. He's, it was interesting. Yeah, it was sad, Eater. He saved all of his goal for the, uh, the <laughs> Europa League final. Oh, what a, what a goal it was. What a goal, truly. So the question mark is, is Ashley Williams going to be moving or not? And if he does, I don't know that there's anything to recommend about this team. I, I mean, uh, Sigurdsson at 7.5, he becomes less a dark horse candidate. And more, you really have to believe in the Swansea team's output. You wonder yeah. if it's going to be like, um, and I feel like I'm always using basketball analogies here, but I mean, he is going to be so far and away the, the most important player on that team. You wonder if, I mean, isn't every team going to sort of plan around neutralizing him and taking away his strengths? And, uh, you know, I, I just don't know who else is really going to step up on this team. And is there anybody... I, it's, 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 a, it's dispiriting. What's, I, Swansea is one of my favorite teams in the league. Yeah. You know, they're this fan-owned club. That, they have, you know, great fans and a, and a great tradition, and they, they make really smart buys every year. And it's just, it feels like the wheels have kind of come off the last 12 months or so. They they do have uh, some kind opening fixtures away to Burnley, and then they host Hull. But then, my God, it gets very tough for Swansea. Of Leicester, Chelsea, Southampton, Man City, Liverpool, then Arsenal. So Brutal. It, it, it is just so brutal. You just can't touch this, this this Swansea team right now. Maybe maybe if you can hang on to your wild card just long enough for Sigurdsson to get to some kinder fixtures in, in like game week eight or nine, the, then they might be viable. It's interesting because I, I was considering bringing in Neil Taylor. Well, yeah, yeah. The problem is the, the one player you might want in that Swansea team is Neil Taylor, who has just rejoined the club after uh, going to the extended lead because of uh, – because of the Welsh miracle run, and sure. of which so if, in which he scored a goal. So if you wanted him, you want him for those opening two fixtures, and he might not even play that first fixture. And after that, I mean, you can't play him for seven weeks in a row, right? Leicester, Chelsea, Southampton, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal. Uh, you wouldn't want him for any of those fixtures. Uh, so yeah, I think this whole team might be a pass, unless I mean, if you know, if you if you just know, like in a rock solid way, that in game week three or four. You were going to be wild carding, then yeah. I think Kelfie Sigurdsson would be uh, someone worth bringing in. But I guess I just it feels so fatalistic to me, like the idea of a week two or week three wild. I'm hoping I'm doing okay. Like if, if I'm doing because I know even if I planned to do if, if I was like I'm gonna this is my the shape of my team and in game week three or game week four I am wild carding I'm tearing it all up. But if I'm if I'm in a great start to the season. It's going to be very hard for me to actually tear everything up. You know, I'm yeah. just going to I'm going to stick with what's worked so far. All right, Josh. you know. So anyway, okay. Let's 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 take a quick break and I think we'll come back with a team that's worth talking about. Okay, that sounds good. Same old podcast, always okay, we're back and we are going to talk about Tottenham Hotspur. Um, amazingly ends up finishing in third place last season. Uh, they, their title hopes completely dashed by them being a young, naive team, but they're all back. The good news is all our, all our Spurs friends are back. And based on some of their preseason results, they are humming, they're purring like they were last season. So what do we think about this squad? I think that it's a pretty interesting and exciting squad. It's not a squad that uh, is full of players you don't know already, so it's not quite as... They're not the sexy squad. 
it's not as much fun. You know, it's not as much fun to bring in their players. When you can bring in a Mkhitaryan, when you can bring in your beloved Alvaro Negredo, when you can bring in any of these, you know, kind of fun new players who join from another league, it's it's just a little more exciting. But uh, outside of Vincent Jansen and Victor Wanyama, who we we, we know all about, uh, it's the play, the players that you want in this team. Okay, we do, we know all about Victor Wanyama because all of us have been tempted by Victor Wanyama over the years. He, he's typically four point five million. He's a great fifth midfielder. Oh, he's he's, like, he's a he's a good upgrade on Czech Teote if you're looking for another yellow card machine. He had one goal, one assist. I was a little surprised he only had, he had zero bonus points last season. You would have thought, what kind of midfielder never, doesn't get a single bonus point? Almost all of them vulture a bonus point at some point. Right. And Johnny yeah. McKell gets like three bonus points a year. <laughs> um, so, but he's gone from four point five million to five million, which immediately renders him a complete. Uh, sorry, cannot. sorry, Victor. Maybe next year he's going to have seven people who own him all year, and it's going to be all of. They're all going to be his, his parents and yeah. his Mister yeah, and Mrs. Wanyama. Senior. <laughs> Tim Wanyama, his brother. <laughs> Uh, so they only have one signing that's that's really of note here, and it's it's kind of a classic Spurs signing. It's a Vince Vincent Jansen is an eight million striker, uh, scored thirty goals and four assists in forty eight matches at uh, AZ Akmar last year. Uh, pretty young, uh, thirty goals in the you know in the uh, in the Dutch league though is obviously to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, you can't another just... another AZ Akmar. I mean that that's the school that produced Josie Altador, and we all know how that story went. And I'm not complaining about this, by the way. The Dutch League is if if you own in the, in the United States, we have uh, this this uh, this app called uh, it's like it's called Watch ESPN. It's on the Apple TV, and uh, if you scroll through, you can often find random matches from you know the replays of matches that were played four days ago or whatever. And invariably, there's a couple uh, Dutch League matches on there, and they are always the most fun matches to watch because that's no where we that's where we first saw Graziano Pele play his trade. That's right. That's right. So he's an eight million striker, not someone that I would recommend bringing in at the beginning of the season, but certainly someone to keep an eye on. I mean, thirty goals, no matter what league you're in, is is pretty impressive. So um, the price is fair too. I mean, eight million is kind of a rare price this season, he's, right? He's probably eight million strikers. Yeah. It is a really random price, particularly for a guy that's presumably just going to be a release valve for, like, the, in the 85th minute for for Harry Kane. Wouldn't it have been cool if they'd started him at, like, 7.8? Like, <laughs> just, just, like, it so. becomes, becomes, like, the pitchfork rating scale. 8.4. I do sometimes wonder if they're, if they're a little too focused on these very clean prices to start the season. Why couldn't Zlatan have been, like, 13.2 to start the year? That would make it a lot more challenging to uh, put a put a one hundred million pound squad together. I like it that would. idea. Yeah, exactly. Like you're you're point one short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the the, it's, the it's best sort of- thing that Vincent Jansen will do this season is inspire a possible uh, team name for somebody. Our friend Trevor and I were talking the other day. We're big Seinfeld fans, and we thought Vincent's Picks might be a good team name. That's yeah, for all you Seinfeld fans out there, that's not bad. Uh, well, just back to the prices for a second. Just as a reminder, I don't know if there's anybody who's listening who's in their first year in the league, but it, it is a reminder that prices do change pretty fast. Because I remember our first year, I think it was, what, six years ago that we first started playing in the, the Fantasy League? Uh, I remember that first after the first game week was over, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, where, like, why are these prices changing? What is happening? So 
they start changing pretty fast, you know. After I probably at the end of day on Saturday, we're going to see some price changes. It's true. the The rules page on the FPL game it's it's like a legal document. It's <laughs> if you're new to the game, it does take you. There's a learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right so, so we, those, the new signings aren't appealing FPL wise. Who are the old guard that we're looking at for our squads? Okay, we've got uh, four top players, one sleeper, one avoid. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'll go right to the spine of the team here. We've got Toby, six point five million, most expensive player, uh, most expensive defender out there, uh, but he's earned it. Four goals, three assists, thirteen clean sheets, sixteen bonus points. Totally evolved in the attack and a great defender. I mean, he's arguably the, what, he's one of the most complete defenders in the league. Would you? Would yeah. you say? Absolutely. I mean, Tom Hanks uh, in Saving Private Ryan is sending Toby Alderweireld into this season, saying. <laughs> Earn this. Earn this 6.5 price tag. It's a bit too high for my taste. I can't imagine having Toby this season. It is. Yeah, we, we went through this with Chris Smalling last season. I mean, Smalling, uh, he was good to have at the start of the season, but your your defense was kind of wrecked to fit him in. His ownership percentage is worryingly high, I will say, Alderweireld. He's at uh, 26.7% ownership. And they have some pretty good fixtures to start the season, so it, I, I could I could live to regret not having Toby <laughs> Alderweireld in my team. Uh, you know, just to, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but just looking at their fixtures, it kind of informs who you might want to bring in here. It's a lot of green if you're using the new uh, fantasy Premier League rating system. They start away to Everton, Everton team that's it's got some problems in defense right now. We don't really know what we're going to get with them. Then they're home to Crystal Palace, home to Liverpool, away to Stoke, home to Sunderland, away to Middlesbrough. But as good a starting opening six as any team in the league. Mm-hmm. Pretty complete team, you know. Pretty pretty similar to last season, so it should be fairly cohesive. Um, I think that uh, I think you really have to have a Spurs player in your team. Absolutely. Okay. You, so if possibly not, if not, it's it's very. I mean, the problem is I could. I'm, I'm saying you, you've got to have a player from this team, and I keep saying this again and again and again. You have to. Someone's not going to make it. You know, a Lester or somebody. Someone's going to going to miss the cut here. But I think that I would be very worried about not having a Spurs player, particularly a Spurs attacker, uh, for these opening six fixtures. I'm not saying you have to have two, but I would like. You know, I think that. So you have you have you have Kane, who's 11 million, uh, highest price he's, he started at. Uh, I think he was he was he 5.5 uh, two years ago. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think he went from 5.5 to nine last year. Now he's up We've to 11. We've come a long way. Also, why is Kane not just 13 million like Sergio Aguero? That's a what bias. did he? I mean, he had twenty-five goals, three assists. Oh wait, that's not. He didn't have thirty-three assists. Where did that come <laughs> from? <laughs> Let me refer to my notes here. He had uh, twenty-five goals, three assists, not thirty-three. Uh, three assists and uh, thirty-three bonus points. And uh, he was, you know, he had a, a bit of a slow start. Uh, maybe the first six, seven weeks he had a slow start. And then I think he had a hat trick to way to Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of on from there. And he was pretty solid the rest of the year. Uh, borderline must-own player all of last season. It's interesting that we're not talking about him that way this season. I guess it's just that $11 million starting price. But I don't know what more you could you could say about him given how he's played the last two years. I mean, he's, he's the he, golden boot winner. There he looked is. a he looked a little bit jaded uh, in the uh, in Europe, but they they gave him an extended rest and he had and some of the most horrendous free kicks you've ever seen in the Euro <laughs> kick. Euro, the Euro kick, but he looked you know he looked pretty good uh, in their last friendly and uh, scored a goal, scored two goals actually. So uh, yeah, I'm really I, I wasn't thinking too much about Kane, but I, in the last few days I've really come around to having him as my 
as my okay. third striker. Okay, so speaking of speaking of earning this, Deli Ali comes in now at eight point five after his ten goal season last year. Um, he, I think this is like a he's a mental. This is a mental challenge for FPL managers because Deli Ali, we have such fond memories of him because he was so cheap uh, last season. Now eight point five, suddenly he, it's a rich man's game. You can't argue that he hasn't earned it. You know, 10, 10 goals, 12 assists, 17 bonus points last year. Yeah. Uh, my, my second favorite goal of last season. <laughs> second <laughs> and, to what? what was uh, first favorite goal? I love the, the Jamie Vardy Liverpool goal. Remember uh, that okay. goal? Yeah, the, mean, long, like, the long shot. The long shot, yeah. <laughs> and then you have this, this – yeah, you have Christian Eriksen who is somebody that has started – I feel like on the forums, I've seen a lot of people talking about Christian Eriksen as someone to keep an eye out for. His ownership level is a little bit lower. He's at 11.6% ownership right now. Underline, he's, he's kind of an underlying stat favorite, uh, someone who probably should have had more goals and assists than he had last season. Um, all of the data sort of indicated that he was right there and it just didn't quite happen for him. Did it not happen because he was unlucky or did it not happen because of some issue with finishing? I and mean, we know how lethal he is on free kicks, but sometimes he yeah. does – Sometimes he's, he doesn't seem like he's quite as integral. He didn't link up as well with with uh, that Ali King combination was so solid last year. And yeah, sometimes I feel like Ali kind of peripheral. Yeah, Ali kind of pushed him out a little wider, and uh, Erickson wasn't going through the middle as much. Where he he gets so many poachers goals, where he he like sneaks in behind the defense and and gets those tap ins. And I felt like you saw that less and less last season. He'll be getting a lot of assists, probably definitely more assists than goals. He had more assists than I realized. Did you realize he had 16 assists last season? That was incredible. Than I was expecting. It's a shocking number of assists. It really is. And 23 bonus points, which is you know six more than an alley. So okay, what I, about what about Eric Lamella, Josh? Yeah. So we spent a lot of time on always cheating, hurling insults at Eric Lamella. But I, I finally come around after the end of last season. I feel like he yeah. really started to pick up his game, and he is one of my dark horse picks. I, I said as much on the our our friends the Across the Pond podcast. I said as much and. At 7.0, I think he, he could slot easily into somebody's midfield. There is no player that we get more grief for uh, bashing than Eric Lamella. Spurs fans love Eric Lamella. I don't really get it, uh, maybe because I just dislike him so intensely. Uh, he's not going to be on my team, Brandon. Five goals, nine assists last season, 11 bonus points. Very reasonable 7 million price. I, I understand the appeal, especially with these opening fixtures. I'm probably wrong. It's probably yeah. a good idea to have Lamella. Um, I just, you know, uh, I just feel like it's ne- it's never really. He's kind of like in that Andros Townsend category where I just feel like he hasn't really. I, I just like I can't take it on faith that he's put it all together. Yeah, uh, their their preseason friendly against Inter Milan really didn't help matters because Lamella scored, Ali scored, Kane scored two. There's just so much to choose from, and I mean, just a friendly, but but they all look good. They were all fantastic goals. Jansen even scored. Even Jansen. Even Jansen. All right, so I see you've got here, you've got one, one player to avoid. It's, it's the obvious player, but it's, it's Eric Dyer. He's up to uh, 16.7% ownership right now. Uh, at 5.5 million, he's just, you're just not getting enough in return for him. I mean, he's, he's, he's a defensive midfielder. You know, he, a lot of people know him because he was an inexpensive defender last season, but now that he's classified as a midfielder, He's just a total avoid as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, last season he was great because he was playing out of position. He was in midfield, but he was still picking up the defender clean sheets, and he had more potential for getting an assist or having a shot on target. Um, but, yeah, now that he's reclassed as a midfielder, it's, he's, 
him and Victor Wanyama can go uh, hang out together. <laughs> I think we're going to go somewhere else with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Spurs, they, they, do, they look very tempting, and uh, it sounds like we're recommending that you, you, you need to take a hard look at their attacking assets, having at least one going into this really great uh, run of opening fixtures. Yes, agreed. Brandon. Okay, that brings us. Uh, I'm sorry. What were you saying, Josh? <laughs> I was going to say, Brandon. Let's let's move on to the next team. <laughs> yeah. So Watford, 13th place last season. Uh, you forgot about Watford, didn't you? <laughs> Finished uh, in kinda, a really I, sleepy 13th place. I kind of have forgot about Watford. I haven't I haven't thought about them much at all in the off season. You know, I'm still a little sad that they fired their manager. Um, they weren't that stylish, deserved to be fired. Oh, yeah. Kike Sanchez-Flores, one of the sad managerial stories of the summer. For for no apparent reason, they they just wanted to move on, and they bring in this guy. Well, I, I don't want to say no apparent reason, because I think they won, like, one game in the second half of the season. But it was. <laughs> but he did keep up a team that, that didn't seem to have anybody that was any good outside of Gallo. Yeah, well, and, well, and Gallo went off the boil as hard as he did, and I think that that team probably was leaning on Higalo so much they forgot basically how to play in the second half of the season. But sure, I, I guess I have no problem with you faulting the manager for that. So they bring in this guy, Walter Mazzari. He uh, made his name by managing Napoli, um, where they won the uh, Coppa Italia, beating Juventus. This was like a couple seasons ago. And that's the first hardware that Napoli had won since Diego Maradona played for the club. <laughs> So what a fun fact. <laughs> that is a fun <laughs> fact. But uh, he, he then moved on to to manage at Inter and uh, he was sacked a season and a half later. And he hasn't been heard from in, in about a year. And here he pops up at Watford, though. So I think it's interesting to see what he does with this squad. And they they've not made a lot of huge, compelling signings uh, other than Isaac success, a name like success. That that uh, that's a no brainer right there, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he's classified at six million for a midfielder, so he must be okay. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't I didn't bother looking into any of these Watford <laughs> signings, so I, I can't really speak to them. It's Watford. They their opening fixtures are pretty nasty. Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham, Man United, the first four. So, like, let's stop right there. Like, don't don't even think about it with these these Watford players. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Exactly. Let's let's just just move on. I mean, it's 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 tempting I, to think about yeah. Dini or Gallo, but you know they're just they're when you the can glory bring days in, are behind them now. They're they're priced out of the game at this point. Seven point five for Gallo and seven point zero for Dini until least, their fixtures turn. Exactly until the fixtures turn. So you know, it looks like. You know, when you, when, you, when you get to game week six for Watford, it's they, they have a pretty good run. They play uh, Burnley, Bournemouth, Middlesbrough, Swansea, and Hull. Yeah. So, you know, from six, to, so maybe like he's, they're a good first wild card team, you know, because yeah. those fixtures in game week six or ten are so solid. But, yeah, the first uh, five weeks of the season, I think you really have to avoid them. So let's just, let's say avoid and let's move on, Brandon. Right, right. So that brings us to West Brom. Uh, and, Josh, we, we actually... <laughs> Heard from a walking, talking West Brom fan that listens to Always Cheating. That's right. I almost expected you to have like a wah, 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 after you said that. <laughs> Poor West Brom. Just, it's never, so we, we've talked a lot about how, you know, how tough it is to be, how tough it is to follow West Brom as a, someone who 
just follows the league, right? It's just any anytime a team plays West Brom, you don't want to be watching that match, right? Because you know how how ugly it's going to be, <laughs> right? But uh, you know, yeah, Richard Orford, uh, our friend on Twitter, uh, actually reached out to us, and he did it via direct message. I don't think he wanted to come out as a West Brom fan. <laughs> no. uh, you know, uh, we, on, we may on, be doing a bad thing here, Josh, by outing him. And outing him, that's true. But I think we're actually going to have him on a future podcast. I mean, we're talking about during an international break, we're going to have Richard on. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a West Brom fan. I am a Detroit Lions fan, uh, an NFL team, and that is a team that has been uh, bad for since the beginning of time, basically. They occasionally have a good player, but they are never, ever good. So I, I do I do have some sympathy for what it's like to be a West Brom. I mean, they are in the Premier League, right? It could be worse. I mean, you could be rooting for uh, you know Burton Albion or something like that. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, you know, last year they finished in 14th place. Uh, how? I don't know. I mean, yeah. how are the prospects looking now? I mean, they've made one new signing over the summer, Matty Phillips. Yeah, Matty Phillips is a you know pretty good player. Uh, had eight, eight goals and five assists in 45 matches for QPR last season. He was actually pretty good, I thought, with QPR. Uh, the, the last year they were in the league, and I scored a couple cracking goals. Sure, that insane goal from the midfield. Yeah, I can see it in my head right now. <laughs> the players you want to keep an eye out for in this team, though, are definitely the uh, defenders. And uh, those, are the, those are the players that I want to focus on here. And I think we can, outside of, I mean, some people are interested in Rondon. He's 6.5 million. Uh, nine goals, three assists, and 11 bonus points. Oh, nine last. goals. Wow, that is a lot more than I recall. Yeah, well, it was more than I recalled, too, actually. Uh, and it could be that, you know, with a year of seasoning, he's actually pretty good. He's got a great, he's got the right body for the for, for Premier League striker. You know, he's right. pretty, pretty strong. He can hold up against the defenders. Uh, I think he, you know, he can, he can, he can manage on a winter night in Stoke. Can you, Brendan? <laughs> hey, well, he, he played for Venezuela in the Copa America this summer. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's match fit. So we've got uh, top players. We've got Ben Foster. He's a uh, 4.5 million, a very good price for Ben Foster. Very good price. Kind of across the board for a team that plays pretty good defense. I can't believe how fair these prices are. Uh, Foster is 4.5. He's, he was a top keeper before he got injured. Uh, played very well when he came back last season. I will admit to you right now, Brandon, I have been Foster in my current team. Um, you have Johnny Evans, 4.5 million. Uh, he has uh, eight, picked up eight clean sheets and 11 bonus points. Now, Johnny Evans is the one that I would be most inclined to pick up if I had a West Brom defender. And the problem with Johnny Evans is they can never stay healthy. So yeah. it's you sort of pick up Johnny Evans at your own peril. But when he plays, he tends to play well. He tends to pick up yeah. clean. You know, he helps he helps the team pick up clean sheets, and he tends to rack up bonus points uh, when they keep those clean sheets. So what about all those insane rumors this summer about Evans like going to Arsenal? Uh, he was linked with a few clubs. He as of today, he's still being linked with Arsenal. So I, I, well, and now with the Gabriel yeah. injury, it makes even more sense. Right. But the problem then is, well, if, if they bring in Evans and Mustafi, then they bring in Evans as insurance. Yeah. Uh, if they if they bring in Mustafi and Evans, or if they bring in Evans but no Mustafi, then actually Evans becomes an extremely valuable player as a four point five million Arsenal defender who would right. probably start from game week. You know, the, the game week he joins. Where are we on Barahino watch? I mean, this is we. You were tweeting about transfer window cliches the other day. I mean, where's Barahino going? Is 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 basically a cliche at this point yeah it doesn't i don't have a firm read on that i mean maybe he's his stock probably went down a little bit last season 
um, which has to make him even more frustrated that he was able to force that move to Spurs. Yeah. I mean, Vincent Jansen is, I mean, Vincent Jansen, Berahino, whatever, right? It's like the same. <laughs> they probably wouldn't have brought him in if they had Berahino. Yeah. Uh, no. So he's he's priced at six point five million. It seems like the uh, the kind of money is going towards Rondon right now. A lot of people. I haven't really heard anybody talk about Berahino for for good reason. Um, I know how much you dislike him, and you know I, I don't know. I it's hard to him. Last season was a tough season for him. I mean, it sounds like he was all set for a move and it got blocked at the 11th hour. And uh, I think he probably carried that with him all season. I mean, you have to at least acknowledge the psychology, you know, what that would be for a player. I I do want to give these players too much credit for being, like, emotionally mature. And that's a really tough thing to ask of somebody who's been in an athlete training environment for their entire young life. And he's what? He's still only what, like twenty-one years old? I think. I mean, he's really—he's very young. So, yeah. So we'll, uh, he's twenty-three, but you know, he's—he just turned twenty-three. So uh, even though they have uh, decent, well, I mean, do you call these decent fixtures? Crystal Palace uh, away opener, then Everton, Middlesbrough, Bournemouth. They're not bad, but still, who cares about West Brom? Yeah, I think you. Oh, might, if you're, if you're, if, sorry, if, if Richard. You're, sorry, Richard. I can't believe I said that. I think if you're building your team, I think you can you can grab one West Brom, one West Brom defender. Whether it's whether it's Evans, if you want to take a little bit of a risk, whether it's Ben Foster, throw them in your team, and they're going to get you a few clean sheets over the course of the season, and they cost almost nothing. So oh, great, McCa- great Macaulay and Macaulay and Dawson, the pair of them, they're interchangeable. They're both guaranteed to score two goals in any given season. So that's right. That's right. Uh, all right, so the last team that we're going to talk about in our great massive two-part team preview, West Ham. And I feel like this is a pretty good team to end on because they had a cracking season last year, finished in seventh place, just eked into a playoff position for the Europa League. Slavin Bilic really seemed to figure that team out right away. I mean, they famously uh, smoked Arsenal in the league opening game, and they've, they've done Nothing if not strengthen over the summer. Bringing in Andre Ayew, so now he's priced in the game at 7.5. And everyone was really looking him up and down as a Swansea player. And we've talked about this quite a bit, Josh, about how his move to West Ham is both a good and a bad thing, FPL-wise. The question I would have for you, which I, I sort of doubt you can answer at this point, I don't know if anybody can really answer it, is... You know, where does Andreao slot in? Does he slot in from game week one? And if he slots in from game week one, what happens to Andy Carroll? Yeah, I I bet Billage is going to try a few different things with Ayu. I mean, they did try playing a few players like Victor Moses out on the left-hand side last season, and I can see Ayu. That's basically what he did for Swansea uh, with them having a lone striker up front. But also, Ayu is a great He's a great attacking goal scorer, and you could easily just play him uh, alone up front. So I, I see them trying a, diff- a few different things. And if Carroll picks up any kind of knock, IU's stock will definitely go up. He's as such an a position striker. He's such an exciting buy for them. I, I really hope that. I really want to have him on my team, and mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about bringing him in to start because I think there's a good chance he won't play in game week one. Uh, if I felt, I mean, you know, if there's a press conference and Billage says on Thursday or Friday, AU, you know, we think we can start him game week one, he's going to slot right in, then I might, I might have AU on my team. Uh, that's, you know, I, because I, I think he'll only, 
even when Pyatt comes back, I actually think that they'll 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 pair up pretty well. I actually think between Pyatt and Ao, given the two million price difference, I'd be inclined to to go with Ao over Pyatt. Um, I know that's heresy in in these in these Pyatt loving <laughs> times. You know, like the world is in love with 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 Pyatt, but I do think that um, at seven point five million, if he's getting fed the ball by Pyatt, especially especially if he displaces uh, Andy Carroll as the kind of yeah. On the, top, I think the it's one a, thing I would say to that is numbers. Payet, such a skilled crosser of the ball. If you have IU and Carroll playing at any given time together, they're going to split those cross goals 50 50. IU's a great header of the ball, as is Carroll. And at that point, I do wonder if Payet becomes more valuable than both of those guys outright. Yeah, I mean, I think for all my all my touting of IU. 20 seconds ago i do think he's 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 still kind of a wait and see i mean i i think it's going to work out really well i feel very positive about it but i i think in the end i'm not going to have him to start my season but yeah i'll be i'll be ready like if, you know if he if he plays in game week one or if he comes on as a sub and scores that may be the first transfer i make is bringing in andre Ayo. yeah the other interesting new signing that west ham has is this guy faguli uh who who's coming from spain i just that'll be <laughs> Oh, probably a, a, a boatload of fantasy names out there. Fuguli? Fujuli? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's how you say it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, he's coming from Almera by way of Valencia. Scored a few goals for them. He's a French winger. And, uh, you know, I don't know how he slots into this team if he does at all. He's, he's priced at 5.5. That's a, if he's starting, maybe he's worth a look. But you see a lot of people asking questions about Kuyate, who has had a really great preseason. He scored a number of goals, and he was kind of a sleeper hit last season where he would have, uh, he would string together a couple of games where he'd come up with a goal or an assist. And he's cheaply priced um, to, to slot into. He's, if, if you can't do Payet, maybe Kuyate is your cheaper option. Yeah, five point five million. That's it's a very fair price. Was Antonio a defender classed as a defender last season? He was classed as a midfielder last season. As, okay, as, yeah. as this season. Yes, but seven point oh. Antonio was a tough sell for me. I know he really strung together a lot of great games last season, but I'm still uncertain about Antonio. And at seven point oh, that's just kind of insane to me. Now the problem is with with Aaron Cresswell injured. The talk now is that Antonio is going to fill Cresswell's spot. Yeah. So see. yeah. So it's it's probably he's probably not the player that you want. I think that Ayu is the player that I'm excited about. And yeah, you know, I mean, I think you're right about Kiati at five point five. I mean, what what do you think about Andy Carroll? He's six point five million. He's also had a pretty good preseason. I think it's a great option. I mean, you slot him into our ever growing pile of six point five uh, strikers. That's going to be an amazing differential going into the first few game weeks. Is which. You know, assuming we're all going big with two strikers up front, be it Kane, Aguero, Kane, Ibra, your 6.5 striker is really going to make or break your opening few game weeks. And yeah, Carroll is just as good as the rest of them. Compare him to, okay, so you got, say, Carroll, Shane Long, Andre Gray, and Negredo. Where, where would you slot Carroll there? He's at least third, if not second. Probably second behind Andre Gray, and then you go Shane Long Negredo. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I, I guess after after Gray, I, I, I really 
don't feel very confident about any of those players, to be honest. I mean, Gray is great. If I start with the 6.5 midfield, it would only be Andre Gray. Uh, cause I just, I don't know. I mean, if, if, the other ones are all priced like they should be right. They're priced like players with huge question marks around them. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're not talking about Callum Wilson at all either. Who I think is an interesting option. Um, we don't really know what, what to expect from him, you know, given that he had that knee injury last season, but he looked fantastic. Yeah. You know, the first yeah. several fixtures last season. Um, it just feels like a wait, wait and see in that whole, yeah. I, I am very worried about a lot of 6.5 million, uh, strikers. Yeah, well, I was going to say I'm a little worried about how this West Ham team is going to start the season because they do have to play some Europa League qualifiers. They have a game on the 18th, which is right smack dab between game week one and game week two, and then another qualifier on the 25th uh, leading leading into their Manchester City game. So presumably Billich is not going to play really strong squads in those Europa League matches, but... Um, I'm also expecting them to be a little jaded. So they've got injuries with Lanzini and Cresswell, as you mentioned, Josh. Payet is coming off of a pretty long Euro Cup campaign, which was emotionally devastating for him, uh, even though he he had a great tournament. So you do wonder what kind of Payet is going to show up to start. I think that this West Ham team is going to be a much better bet uh, later in the season, like as you're coming into game week five, six, seven. Yeah, it's so interesting the way it's shaping up right now. I mean, there we have a, a just a big pool of wait and see. I mean, you know, theoretically this team talk is for the entire year, but it's hard not to focus in the first you know six weeks or so. And it does seem like you have this this kind of pod of teams that are all really interesting starting in game week six or seven. You have Arsenal, Liverpool, you know, Watford to a, to a degree, and and West Ham. And I think that um, all four of those teams are not teams that are necessarily going to have anybody to start the season, but who I'm definitely going to be looking at, you know, uh, starting in, you know, game weeks six, seven, and eight. We started with no teams, Josh, and we ended with 20 teams. We previewed <laughs> them all. It only took us like nine hours to do it. That's true. That's true. I feel good about this. I hope that uh, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, uh, any issues, any pronunciations, uh, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or Email us at hailcheaters at gmail.com. We're not actually done with the podcast. I'm just throwing it in there. You know, <laughs> just take a quick break. We're going to do five questions from Twitter, and then we're out. Same old podcast, always okay, we're back. First Twitter question comes from Kevin Mann, who says, With IU going to West Ham, Mkhitaryan looking unlikely to start. I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. Uh, my midfield is looking bad. Is Firmino a good option? A couple weeks ago, I don't know if I would have said yes to start the season, but given what's going on in Arsenal's central defense right now, I do think that Firmino is now an interesting option. Firmino looks he looks so good right now, too, if you just look at any highlights from Liverpool's preseason. He, he just looks ready for it. And you know Klopp is going to have those guys G'd up for the Arsenal match. Hey, I'm going to be watching this with all my new Scottish uh, Patriots <laughs> and um uh, I hope I'm not the only one pulling for Liverpool. I'm going to be pulling for Liverpool in that game. But uh, Firmino's looking dynamite. You can tell he's feeling confident right now because he's got that, like, Gareth Bale sort of mini top knot thing going on. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh-huh. it's like not a barrette. It's not quite a top knot. I don't, I don't know what it is exactly. I, I can't say it's terribly flattering for him, but, <laughs> but we'll give it to him. So we, we, had, we had a few conspiracy theories about Mkhitaryan not starting in that community shield. Like, it was Mourinho just already 
laying out the gamesmanship of you can't predict who I'm going to start. Right. Uh, that, that might be reading a little too much into it, but I agree. He's he's not guaranteed to be on the bench game week one. Okay. Tuck nine says uh, hazards was last year. Who will be this year's most expensive flop? And that also goes hand in hand with a tweet we got from Announce Madness at Block Ninety Nine, who asks, uh, "Do you think Zlatan has the potential to be this year's Hazard?" And uh, I think that the first one that came to mind when I'm looking at uh, Tuck Nine's question is Ibra. He's got the potential. He looked. He looks really sluggish at points during that Community Shield game. You know, my my pick would actually be uh, Aguero. I think that he's somebody who. Um, you know, I know he came, he came to training kind of chunky. Uh, he's he's battled he's battled injury problems his whole career. You know, we know that Pep is a fitness nut. Um, we know the the buys that they've made in the midfield this season, and I just wonder if you know he ends up going with a strikeless formation. Uh, you know, I was talking to you over the weekend, and um, you know, I was listening to something, and they were talking about. Um, I mean, I can listening to read into an article or something, but they were talking about how. Uh, the most anybody played for Pep's Bayern team last year was uh, Robert Lewandowski played 29 matches. So if you're only getting 29 matches out of Aguero this year, he is not worth that $13 million price tag uh, because you're going to be bringing in a fifth midfielder for him nine weeks out of the season. And it's going to be hard to, you know, I, I do think we'll see a lot of rotation for him this year. And he's, he's, he's kind of a small guy and he's, he's lethal and he's got a huge price. And I just wonder if I, he's on my team to be, yeah. to be sure. But I just wonder if this is the season when things start to, you know, fall apart for him a little bit. I'm not looking forward to that first week in which Aguero doesn't make the starting lineup and we all have, we all have to face up to that decision of, of are we ready for a whole season of this or do we just drop him? I mean, they've got these Champions League qualifiers, you know, right at the start of the season that they have to play. And those are incredibly important to them this year, I'm sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible he just doesn't play one of the first two or three fixtures. Yeah, I mean, that, and that uh, pet midfield rotation also throws KDB into the mix of guys still priced at 10.5. And it's not even clear what his potential is going into the start of the season. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anyone's really buying in on KDB to make him a possible flop, but uh, I'd be wary of him. Okay, let's just jump to the next question. Also from Twitter, this comes from Benjamin Barassa. Who do you think are some of the worst players that you regularly see in people's teams? Josh, I think we we covered a few of them throughout our, our team previews. Guys like Eric Dyer, who make no sense as uh, holding midfielders. Eric yeah. Dyer in particular priced at 5.5. It's, yeah, Dyer, Dyer in particular, I think that, um, uh, I mean, they're just players I don't like very much. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, Andros Townsend is in a lot of teams right now, and he is somebody that I just cannot get excited about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that so many people are excited about him. I know he played well for seven matches for Newcastle last year or whatever, but, I mean, this guy has had chance after chance after chance in the league and has you know, not delivered. I know he's he's still relatively young, but I, I just I don't know what happened over the last two months that makes us suddenly think that he's a consistent performer. Just the same, too, Josh. So in, in Golo Conte, I think um, he'll be great. He'll be a great fit for that Chelsea team, but not for your FPL team, and I think everyone's going a little too nuts for him uh, in their initial FPL lineups. 
All right. Andrew H. says, uh, given Arsenal center back crisis and a strong preseason showing against Barca, should we now look to Liverpool's attackers? Uh, this sort of ties in with the first question we were asked. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, there's this recency bias there. I mean, if you, if you watched that, that, any of that Barca match, it's hard not to think that Sadio Mane and Robert Firmino, Roberto Firmino are fantastic. Adam Lallana, who we were kind of bad-mouthing yeah. a little bit in the last podcast. Not necessarily bad-mouthing, but just, you know, he's not a player that I'm excited to bring in, even at $7 million. Uh, yeah. But he looked very good in that match. So I yeah, think that I, you know, it's, it's a tough start to the season, but Arsenal don't have any center backs right now. So, I mean, they have uh, they have their third-string center back, their fourth-string center back, and they're probably going to be bringing in um, Koscielny after, like, four days. He's been, like, training with the team since since, like, today, basically. I'm really interested to see how the rotation works with uh, Liverpool's strikers as well. So with Origi, he's back, and, and he's been getting some games and some goals in the preseason. And Daniel Sturridge, who can't stay fit. Also, Danny Ings back in the mix. We know how Klopp loves rotation, so I'm a little worried about investing in a striker for Liverpool just with that in mind. Uh, I feel like Firmino is probably the safest route to getting consistent starts and consistent attacking points for Liverpool. One thing that's nice, I don't think they have any other obligations this year, right? They have no no Europa League or Champions no. League. No. So we could see a pretty solid team come out of this, you know, a, a number of players that are consistently playing. But yeah, they are pretty tough. It's a pretty tough start of the season for them. Hey, do you so. remember Liverpool the last time they had no commitments? They almost won the league, Josh. Yeah, Can that's true. That? That's true. A great manager, very positive. Let's let's see it. All right, so that brings us to the end of our preseason coverage, Josh. Uh, we've we've come a long way, baby. We previewed all twenty teams. We gave you ten tips for FPL success. We encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode, episode forty one, if you haven't given it a listen. And uh, we've got we've got game week one fixtures this weekend. It's exciting. It's going to start. It's going to happen. If I have one last piece of advice to give, Brandon, it was not part of the 10 tips, but I, let's call it the 11th tip. It's sort of like the fifth Beatle. It's the Pete Best of tips, <laughs> okay. uh, which is you, just a reminder, you can't have everybody. There's going to be someone who is fantastic, who you're not going to have in your team because you can only have 15 spots and you can't have all 11 million and 10 million players. And they're going to score in that opening fixture. It, it happens every year. Yep. And it's just, you know, it's. That's okay. You can't have everybody, and hopefully your players scored as well. You can't stop other teams from scoring in addition to your own team. Hey, if you're in the Hail Cheater Super League, you're going to have an awesome start to the season. So, Brandon, after about 47 hours of preseason coverage, we have finally come to a stopping point. Next week, it's going to be me and a special guest. You actually get a week off. It's kind of nice. You'll be in Edinburgh. I, do. I, I, I need it after these long preseason hours we've been putting in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll swap it around. Although actually, I've got a I've got a baby on the way, so it'll be we'll have some interesting challenges to come this fall. Uh, but you can always find us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash always cheating. You can also find us on uh, an email. We're at or excuse me, we're Hail Cheaters at gmail.com. Come look us up. Definitely join the league. The league's on alwayscheating.com. The league codes are also on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. And uh, if you get in the top 10, we're going to be talking about you every week. So come on, join, please. You don't have to, though. It'd be (laughs) fun if you did. (laughs) I want to, before it gets really heated between the two of us, take this moment to to, uh, wish you good luck this season, Josh. I hope it's fun and successful.
shaking yeah, your we'll, hand over we'll the We'll do a Skype handshake Skype. here. Yep. <laughs> All right. Good luck to everybody out there in Game Week 1. We'll see you next week for our recap of Game Week 1 and the preview of Game Week 2. I truly can't wait. See you, Brennan. Hail cheaters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.